welcome to the Act Audio Book Club. This morning we are up very early to record because the hours between 5am and 6am were the only hours all four of us were able to attend and everyone is really tired except for Macon who rises with the sun. <laughs> so this month we've read the novel You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine from 2015 by the American author Alexandra Kleeman. It's a dystopic setting in an American suburb where our nameless narrator lives and works. Her roommate is called B and her boyfriend is called C and she's pretty fed up with both of them. She's estranged from her surroundings, extremely narcissistic, and the reader follows her trying to escape from this estrangement of daily life when she joins a cult that calls itself the Conjoint Eaters in her pursuit of meaning and identity. The book is a little like a fusion of Tao Lin's apathy and Dante Lillo's white noise. As the book progresses, the scenes become darker and weirder and suddenly oranges are a symbol of the past. And present this early morning to talk about the novel is Macon Holt. Hello. Sarah Omini. Hi. And Neos Casanova. Hey. So I think this novel is interesting as uh, as a dystopic novel because we don't know how much is infected, how much of society. There is no like perspective outwards. We don't know if this is national or local or how big it really is. We're only inside of her head. And the less we know, the creepier it gets, I felt. So this novel was a lot creepier than I had thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think... I can agree with that. And I think also it speaks to the um, narrator's character because I don't really think the narrator, I don't think this book has a proper main character. I think like the narrator is kind of like if you were to watch a scene of people being processed by some cult in a dystopic novel, you'd see that you'd be following the protagonist being dragged and resisting and doing something heroic. And she'd just be like standing like second row in and like just thinking about what like, oh, one day I'll be pure. Okay, so you don't think she's a real protagonist? I mean, she functions as one, but I don't think, yeah, I think what's nice about it is like it's the qualities of a kind of also-ran person um, in the situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, but yeah, that I, I was wondering in the story, like with her as a protagonist and everything, why has this story, like if we are to assume that she wrote the story, right, why has that been done? But I don't even, we don't know if she's like older and telling this mm -hmm. retrospectively or why she has even written the story. Mm -hmm. But I think that, goes well with your yeah I think it's like it's even ambiguous as to like how this has come into being but that's always the case with like like first person narrations is that like it's it's really clear what, to me when I was reading it that it's um it's that weird space where everything is being so curated by an author that even though the nar the narrator has no idea what's actually going on the, the voice that's put these snippets together knows exactly what they're trying to do yeah and that's mm really ambiguous as to like how this thing even exists <laughs> i wanted to know more about the the society the outer world because our narrator is so un uninteresting i really didn't like her and i didn't even think she had any great ideas so i wanted to know about like the scene the setting uh how is this being done like in the handmaid's tale we know that the world is more or less at war and here we don't know anything she's watching these commercials and there are pamphlets but that's it we don't know if it's like all of North America or how many people have joined this cult or how big it is. Yeah. I mean, you get some, she sort of hints at it throughout as she progresses in the, in the cult. Like she'll say, oh, suddenly we've taken over Wally's and uh, we even had Wally, we owned however many shares of Wally's and there were the supermarket. Yeah. The, oh, the supermarket, yeah. yes. And another like the cosmetics. A, com thing. a cosmetics company. And, and then a, a, the TV program. Yeah. So that you you learn that the the cult starts mm. to 
uh, gain traction. But then I wonder if, like, if it's actually something the size of a proper dystopia or if it's just something the size of Scientology because they own a bunch of property. Yeah. And, mm. Mm. and I was wondering, like, what are her ace alternatives? Was it join this cult, like, or be eaten? Or could she have done anything else? <laughs> But to um, me, I, um, I, didn't, I didn't really think about that aspect so much because if, if she's not, If she didn't tell me anything to the contrary, I just assumed that it was sort of like our current landscape. So to me, in my head, I always just kind of thought, oh, well, she's joining this cult because she doesn't like her other options, which are yeah. anyone's options yeah. of normal life. I think it was very, like, the whole character is very plain in some way. Mm. Like, she just does things. And then there's this thing that sounds more appealing than her reality at the moment. So she just joins because, yeah, there's no other alternative really. Because, I mean, she's not happy with her present in some way. No, not in, no, in any ways, no. I think. So that's, it seems like an easy option. Mm -hmm. And she seems like very focused on what's going on in her physical world. So that's, I guess, if you find something very strong that you can follow, it might seem like the answer. Because mm -hmm. maybe you're missing on something and joining a major force might seem like the solution because maybe you were like not understanding something or missing something. Then you see this that is bigger than yours. And it kind of goes with the character. Like she just, she does things, but that's it. Yeah, but I mean, we already know that the neighbors next door or like across the street has joined this cult before her and her boyfriend disappear. And so a lot of people in her like, Uh, proximity um, have done it uh, before her. Mm. So I was just, when I read it, I was wondering, wow, how much of a victim is she? Is she joining this because it's convenient and it will give her answers? Or is she like one of the last ones to join it and she kind of mm. has to? Or how far has this progressed? Then like we're left with the ambiguity of does her boyfriend disappear? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like, yeah. Like, I think that's also nicely about the um, the anonymity of the town is that it's so, that the apartment block blocks and flats are so um, anonymously reproduced that she may well have just gotten lost. <laughs> When she thought she was going to his house and couldn't find him. <laughs> but okay, she texts him like a and billion times. And he, and, yeah, he yeah but he, he's ghosting, isn't he, at this point? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's totally yeah. basic and like her with any slight problem is, yeah. is too much for his sharp <laughs> Everyone is so it's basic. So, it's just so forced, like the whole ghosting thing. I was so annoyed when uh, when her neighbors became like dressed up as ghosts and left. And then she just rambled on about, oh, they'd, they'd ghosted. And oh, there are all these layers because ghosting means something else in the technological <laughs> world. And I was just, oh. Oh, I wanted to buff. But, <laughs> but speaking of the neighbors and everything that's going on around her, I found the background of the novel to be the most interesting. Like what happens yeah. um, around her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When in the beginning we learned that uh, she met her boyfriend the year that the dad started disappearing. And it's totally casually told and nothing strange about that really. And suddenly the pamphlets for the sect starts appearing everywhere and are everywhere. And she's proofreading a magazine of called New Age Plastic, which is for the spiritual recycling of plastic <laughs> and all these weird things. And the candy cake commercials, which is candy cakes is this nuclear proof <laughs> food. The cockroach of foods. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, have many calories. Very few, 65 calories Six, per two. Yeah. And yeah. it's like in the novel, none of this is really weird or like not weird. It's as if it's written through a depression. Like mm. it, it, but 
it doesn't really matter, but it's just happening anyway. I didn't think of it as being written from the perspective of someone from the perspective of, of someone who's depressed. I think it was more like the way I read it. It sort of just it um, it seemed quite realistic. Like if this is how a cult would sort of infiltrate mm -hmm. an area, that's how it would happen. Like people wouldn't care or notice too much about all these disparate things, um, and they wouldn't put too much sort of emphasis on all the the random events. Um, You'd only sort of notice in hindsight, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think it, it has a very kind of like it has a very '90s feel as a book in that way because it has this whole cult subplot, which, <laughs> which then you know you don't really get into until the third act of the three act book. Um, and <laughs> I just I find that I find that very. It reminded me of things like um, Don DeLillo and Thomas Pynchon, where like, and then we just deal with it through a cult. And then, <laughs> I thought, well. The, I mean that wasn't really earned, so I'm enjoying this this roller coaster. <laughs> but I, I also think that the way it's written, the whole idea is that it, it is about her. So what's happened outside, it doesn't really matter. It's just an excuse to for her to explain whatever is going on in her life, even though she's so plain. See, I, I so, don't uh, I don't agree. I think like I think like she thinks it's about her. Yeah. But I think it's about the negative space thing where like it's where she doesn't understand the links that she's laying out right. and like reading it like I have a whole theory about this which I'll talk about later but, but it's like no I want to hear it now okay we'll do it now <laughs> so the book opens with two quotes one from the from a thousand plateaus about the wasp and the orchid which is basically talking about how systems can influence influence one another even though they're not actually part of the same system and they will be able to transfer characteristics without losing anything themselves. So it's like how characteristics and signifying and meaning are surplus to things themselves. And the other one, which is a quote from the Gospel of Thomas, which is a non-canonical Bible gospel, um, which has thing about what the basically the value judgments of what happens when someone gets eaten by a lion. And that's about essence transfer through symbols. Because um, I'm pretty sure the person writing that would have limited lion experience. So to them, I think the lion <laughs> is definitely a symbol. Um, so it's these two things about worlds of symbols as they as we've created to try and co compensate for our fallible bodies that are disgusting and um, confusing and strange. And the fact that they, even though we've created them from our bodies, we are, they don't match up. They are so abstract. They don't. It's really well. Um, like uh, set up in the, like, the first Candy Cat commercial where Candy Cat is a 2D cartoon who can't eat the 3D cake. And it's that relationship of the, the power of symbols, but also the limits to how they can help us or, or, um, or solve any problems that we have. That's what I think the book is actually about. I agree. And that's why I hated it. <laughs> why? <laughs> because not because that's what it's about, but because of the way that it talks about these things. Like it does it in a very sort of one to one way. Like it decides, oh, I'm going to talk about, you know, bodies and images and signs and uh, transfer transference of essence. And I'm going to do it in an incredibly obvious way and not with any sophistication. And I'm going to spend way too long doing it in boring language and um, dull narration, dull narrative, just dull. I thought it was whimsical. I thought it, I didn't laugh once. I laughed frequently. I thought it was. I mean, I I'll, I will concede that yeah, it's um, fairly overt throughout it. But I kind of thought like that was. But then the trick of the book is that it's smarter than the narrator. Yeah, it's 
because she's really insufferable. To uh, I mean, I, I couldn't. Um, I, yeah. And <clears throat> but yeah, everything yeah is so basic to her. Or yeah. yeah, the way she explains it, it's yeah, it's one to one, and that's what pissed you off. Mm. But you're saying that the book is mm. showing all these things to be like tricks that it does. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the tricks are one to one, and that they're basic, mm. and I don't think they're very clever. And I, I don't know. I thought it was very obvious, and I thought it was um, like every everything that was sort of laid out to be like this major twist. I'd mm. I'd sort of predicted from the beginning based on like the mm. first chapter or whatever. Like yeah. when she meets yeah. her yeah. boyfriend on the game show, and he's dating that yeah. uh, dating yeah, yeah. bees, and yeah. like it was also like she sets it up like there's even space yeah. in between the lines to like boom. Yeah. Yeah. It was C. Yeah. yeah, but like, is that the narrator setting it up or the writer setting it up? Uh, the writer. No, the, the, the writer has done that, but is it like, is it the narrator who thinks who's surprised by this more than you are? Are you are you meant to be surprised by that? I don't know. Yeah. Oh no, I think it's from the from the narrator's yeah. head. Yeah. But I think the problem is also that it kind of it seems that it wants to build up to something, and then you're again like you know what is going to happen, so it never surprises you mm. it's always I don't know I felt that it was reading like a description of something yeah I don't think the like the writer was... necessarily does anything with this narrator that doesn't realize what's going on like mm. she's she's saying all these things but mm. it's like yeah so what yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, yeah I felt that as well I think because yeah. like one of the lines from the book is wanting things was a substitute for wanting people one of the best possible substitutes and that's just one of the many lines where you're like yeah okay and then she starts to eat some hair yeah. and yeah. <laughs> and eats a thousand candy cakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's the thing about like, she's a guy and he's totally, he doesn't really care. And he's like emotionally unavailable mm. and very much like a guy. And she finds that it's kind of weird watching porn and he likes it. And uh, I thought that even B was like helpless in the most predictable sense yeah. um, and not, not very well um, written. As a no, character, yeah. but I mean, none yeah. of them are. Mm. But there is just nothing to. Bee's kind of like <clears throat> Tyler Durden. Alexandra Kleeman has written Fight Club for Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <sighs> a, bad, a bad way of phrasing. <laughs> Alexandra <laughs> Kleeman has been influenced by Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> Have these people read? Fight Club? I don't think so. I think so. <laughs> don't think so. Why not? Because <laughs> no, I, I just, I don't see it. Like it, it uh, 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 yeah, well, maybe. But, uh, no. <clears throat> but then another thing that no. Not me is with like this is very much about this like toxic relationship which is very in right now right mm. like yeah. you have to be aware of toxic relationships around you because apparently uh, what lies in that is that like you're this sort of pure thing that can mm. be like infected contaminated. yeah contaminated mm. uh, tainted by other people mm. and that's a really strange way to view humans and yeah. our narrator here does the same like mm. she is afraid of getting like contaminated from her roommate B and B just wants them to be one person mm. um, but like but, that's like satirized with the cult yeah, yeah, yeah. because then she wants to escape from B and all this and she joins yeah. the cult where the concept is you have to become one with your roommate yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and pure yeah. yeah 
And okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I'm on Sarah's side. But Macon, you're saying that this book is more meta, or like? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, thought, I think that the, I think it's just to um, explore the ideas and also how they can be found in very seemingly innocuous corners of life, and how they the influence of them spreads into things that we think about quite innocent innocently. Quite mm. often, but I, I, yeah. But would you say that this novel, which is like written in a very plain language, is essentially a novel about language? Because what you said about like the symbols and what we invent and um, where we think it's coming from. Well, it's it's yeah, it's not about language in the sense that it's not trying to test the limits of language or anything like no, that. No. It's very very plainly written, but it's about yeah, it's about the almost inadequacy of it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. That's what I would say while I think about that longer. <laughs> I'd try and slip in something later. <laughs> Clean eating as well. That was another toxic relationship. How food can infest you, infect you. Mm. Yeah. If, if you eat the wrong foods, mm. you'll be, you know, But ruined. And I'm, I'm just wondering, are you irritated that this was being brought up? No, not at all. Like Or, it's fine to bring it up. But, but like, do you think that the person's on the side of clean eating? No, I think she's no. I think that uh, the narrator is trying to obviously satirize clean eating with the with the candy cakes mm, and whatever and all those things. Mm, I don't think she does it in a very um, in a in a in a, in a in a way that's interesting to read. It didn't bring anything new up to me. Like she explores it all, and she just ends with these very sort of banal conclusions. Mm. Another theme of this is like empathy. Mm-hmm. of uh, being, well, our narrator sees like this whole economy of feelings uh, very cynically. Like I give you feelings and you give me feelings and that's how we mm-hmm. interact. And that's like what the world is based on, right? This economy exchange of feelings and s- being able to see what people want, but not necessarily wanting to give them that. Like this refusal of uh, emotional exchange with other people yeah. again to like keep yourself pure yeah but yeah then but then nothing really in this book i mean yeah she hits on a lot of like themes and um starts saying a lot of things but then she kind of let it drift yeah, off as, as like, if that's kind of um, enough yeah exactly or like she takes a more easy exit where you're like oh this could be really interesting say something more about that yeah. and it doesn't have to be like in a didactic way no, or like no. but just say something more about this so i have a f- it feels like you're onto something yeah. like keep talking you're getting yeah. there kind of yeah. and then she never really gets yeah it, she scrapes the surface of, of a lot of themes and yeah um but never really like Sticks into it. Yeah, yeah. she get, she goes like halfway because it, it would be nice if she just like poses questions and leaves it like that. Either that or going deeper into it, but just gets halfway. And I think like with like what we were saying before about toxic relationships and then like this yeah, economy of feelings or whatever. I I think it was like it just I couldn't really see it because. She's too aware of what's going on with, for instance, B, to be like, you know, a, for instance, I don't know, see B as a toxic person. Because she is too aware of what B is going on, like what's going on with B. I don't see how that is supposed to be mutually exclusive, like being too aware of your surroundings and not... 
being able to or see them as toxic? I think because she, like, she is aware of it and she doesn't like it, but it's not that she can't do anything about it, but she just, like, she kind of accepts it and it seems like she's annoyed at it, but I don't see at any point, at least in the first part, I don't see it as a, it seems like she treats B as, you know, a kid that is just annoying you, mm. but you know it's a kid, so mm. you know you have to deal with it. Yes, yeah, so it's really I, passive. Yeah, so in that sense, I don't think it's affecting her that much. So I don't think she's that toxic for her. I think in it's infecting way. her very much, or she feels that I it's don't infecting think her. She, I, I think she feels like she's, she's yeah, infecting yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. It probably isn't. I mean, how can you tell? But yeah, I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> she feels that this is really bad for her. Yeah, but I don't think it's really. I I really don't. I really don't think she. She feels that affected. I think she feels, yeah, I, I agree. I think she feels very affected. Um, I couldn't see it. She keeps going. Like the first part of it is basically her moaning about how oh, B is in her space and B came into her room and B wants to use her makeup and it's so much. And now she gave me some of her hair. What am I going to do with this hair? <laughs> Which I think is a valid question. <laughs> that is a valid question. It's more annoying. <laughs> but I, I don't know, at least the way I, I read it, I didn't feel that it was affecting her being like deeply. It was more like yeah. purely superficial annoyance and yeah. like kind of like there's something on my way. Mm. And because it's this kind of thing that you're too attached to to get rid of. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it's annoying. <laughs> but it's also like, I think that's that's also her character. Like even her job is the yeah. same thing. It's I am like her job being a proofreader is to um, correct the order of signs without understanding them. Mm. Um, and similarly, the signification of her roommate is irritation, though it's not really affecting her in any way. There's no actual <laughs> impediment no, to her exactly. life. No, exactly. That, that's but what if, I mean. But it look, like it outlooks, outly signifies um, an effect on her life. Like there's no reason why she can't have something to eat just because... <laughs> Because B only wants a sandwich pressed into a coaster-thin <laughs> <No>. disc of butter <laughs> or uh, just popsicle sticks. I don't know. At least the, the, the way I, I read it, I felt that she had a choice, that she was mm. aware of what was going on. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, you're, I think that, that's, that's right. I think she has choices, but they are so like about ignoring signs that she doesn't know how to do that like if she was just to ignore these like significations of irritation mm. that would that would be that be simply solved just don't engage with that but because they are there she won't ignore them because they have to like they are a closed system she has to engage with the whole time but don't you feel that the kind of person she is is that kind of people who when there's something annoying mm -hmm. they will say it but that doesn't mean that it's really affecting them Yes. I know, that's what I got from her. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, yes, you have a roommate that, you know, it's annoying. <laughs> but like, you are the kind of person who would get annoyed at this. So I can't take you seriously. I can't <laughs> take you, I can take seriously that you are having like emotional problems about this. I mean, of course she is in some way, but I don't think it's, it's like, okay, so what? Like, I don't think it's important enough to, 
I don't know. I can see how it's important in like in the story because it's all about like that whole overarching thing, like we were saying. But I don't. Yeah. No, it's not realistic at all. But no. then she's like, she's like, no. she's so, she's so unreliable as a narrator, yeah. and she's mm-hmm. so pathetic. And we're like, and you're meant, and you basically went to just like the entire book losing sympathy for her. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't even like had any strong feelings about her at the end. I was just like, Pff, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's a background character in the scene. <laughs> yeah, 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 she is definitely. Like, I, I wish I could be more annoyed at her. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I can be so annoyed when you said background character like she's a background character in the book and so she's, of course the author's all, the narrator has also made a background character in the TV show in the book like it just oh annoys me to no end but, that, uh. but that, isn't it like I mean I'll, yeah like my critique of this book is you can definitely <laughs> see that the writer has got an MFA <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. and and the if there is a future for me reading Alexander Kleeman, it is her getting further away from her, from her friends and who will be critiquing her work and stopping, like, impressing them and stopping the whole MFA community thing going on and just kind of like, okay, you've got all these tools now. Go. <laughs> right? You've got all the tools, you've got the capability, you've got the discipline to write down a 260-page novel. Not everyone has that. You've got all those things together. Now go and do it and stop being a part of your community <laughs> like a writer would. Follow, follow, follow A. No, don't follow A. A is me. Like she left the community. <laughs> a, you know. A. 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 <laughs> so that's, that's my critique of the book is that there is clear workshopping. I just think it's all well done. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, I, I think that is not, a, I, I think what I liked about it is that at, at least it's well crafted. Yeah. And that's mm. it all, something. Um, that's the thing. But this is the thing, I think this is this, like, this, we're on the opposite sides now of the thing about Pond. Exactly. Like, every, cause like, this is what I thought was redeeming about this as opposed to Pond, because with Pond, what I thought I was looking at was a very detailed scale model town. And if I was to slightly move from the like the focal point of it, the entire illusion would just crack and I wouldn't be able to see it. And it was like elegantly painted. All like the wainscoting was done in incredible detail. But if I was to move from the one position from which you could view it, it wouldn't work. Whereas this, none of that details in, it's more like kind of sketches of stuff, but like the sketches are interpretable from many, many different perspectives. Say wainscoting again. It's so wainscoting. <laughs> I think I'm. Uh, I remember what Sarah said about the Nelson book, uh, the Wall Creeper, is that she's scraping a lot of surfaces and she's like um, flagging the reader with like, "Hey, I know this. I've had this idea, but mm. then it, it look at all the connections <laughs> I can make." Yeah, but yeah, then mm. which I think is way more valuable than a detailed wainscoting. <laughs> <laughs> but here it seems very limited. Everything she connects to. Yeah, it's banal. Not. I think it's not limited. I think it's just banal, like quotidian stuff that she's connecting to. So it's like, I think that's what's good about it. I can't remember where it is. But there's a thing, right, where she talks about the production of lack what, through the things that are being uh, satiating it. And I think that that was just a nice little Easter egg for me, reading Deleuze and Guattari, who like, and like, because the whole thing is like the... It's definitely really like a demonstration of Deleuze and Guattari stuff through the whole thing because you've got like the candy cake is um, the Lacanian um, object Petier and it can't be attained. And once you do attain it, you realize it's completely fake and it doesn't have the characteristics of which you wish, wish to have. It literally has 
65 calories per two. Um, and it's that notion that if you are looking to resolve yourself, looking to purify yourself, that will always produce the impurity, the irresolvability of the subject. And that's nice. Nice to see in a book for general reading. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Unikazuan, um, Dark Spring. My problem with that, like my main problem with that was also that you could definitely tell that she'd found a theory and then just sort of like poured words over it and baked it. And ooh, suddenly now it's a novel because it's it's based on this theory and she just like makes up a story that sort of fits it. Um, and that's kind of the same experience I had here. Not Not exactly, but it's similar to that to me. I have way more patience for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I liked about Unica <laughs> I liked that it was short. <laughs> this is quite short. Look at, look oh at my God, it took forever. It's got like, oh, that's what I asked, pond, Jesus Christ. Like pond was syrup, short. Syrup on each page. Oh, delicious, delicious. Lyle's golden syrup. It was, <laughs> did I say syrup? I meant tar. <laughs> tar for the wainscoting. Oh, my <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I think I like the thing about theory and like fitting a novel to like match the theory. I think it's fine as well. I just wish that this novel would say something of its own then or like yeah. uh, take a step to the side or like do something that doesn't fit something perfectly. Yeah. Um, Stop talking to your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do something. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. 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 Be, be, uh, I, I think that's a fair critique. I think it could be this... I think it hinges upon her next novel. Like, does she step away from this comfort zone of like, okay, you've got all, you've got, this is, you've got the playpen down. You've got all the tools. Yeah, yeah. we know you can write. We know you can craft. We know you, you can have, an, uh, you can deal with difficult ideas mm -hmm. in the thing. Do some, yeah. There was not, yeah. Well, the <laughs> thing was that there was nothing about this that was unexpected or really weird or like. Stuff was funny though. <clears throat> I didn't even think I didn't that it think was, it was funny. funny at all. I don't think it was why did you think it was funny? I, why did you I think? Why did you think it was funny? I thought it was like I thought it was like a really nice like just like I mean it's, yeah it's funny like a New Yorker cartoon. Oh God, that's it. Like they they they, they vary. But I Some like of them are great. those things. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what like, it's like that kind of like gentle humor thing throughout it. Like there was, I do like the idea of a cartoon cat desperately trying to eat a three dimensional cake which it can't, and then that being a whole like I also like these slowly escalating commercials as they were recurring. Mm. I think the commercials were my worst. Like every time there was a commercial, I just wanted to burn the book and that was like every two pages and she goes, oh, the detail like, in those commercials. Yeah. And they're all so... That was, yeah, that was what I liked. That was the background settings, right? Yeah. The commercials, mm. the pamphlets, yeah. the proofreading. The game the show. Game show, yeah. the mm. disappearing that, everything that, yeah, wasn't mm. her. Actually, that context, it's what, I think it creates you some expectations. Mm. Because if it would have been like more, like a context less interesting, you would yeah. be more prepared for some disappointment. Yeah, I think actually maybe on that line, like if it had been more like Thomas Pynchon, where like all this context and then it doesn't all come together, that would be more exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah really. Mm. What do you think of the theology in the book? Oh yeah, talk about the quote, the gospel quote. No, talk about no, talk about science. Speak theology. <laughs> is this a is this a thing about conjoined twin Jesus? <laughs> oh yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> I like that one. That was nice. Is that what it says in the Dead Sea Scrolls? <laughs> one sec. 
They didn't tell me that in my Catholic school. <laughs> I was, oh, I like the thing about um, like all the pamphlets, like some of the pamphlets that contain decoy knowledge and decoy information that was not appropriate <laughs> for them. That was really good because that was all about basically what what's wrong with symbols is that they could just be put in any order. That's it's nice. Her writing in the pamphlets was it was really great. Like she really hit the tone yeah. of uh, that kind of. Culty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your home. Culty or propaganda. Give off dark <laughs> but yeah, as for the theology in the book, I'm not very well uh, acquainted with this um, <laughs> with branch this of the Christianity, but there was something. <laughs> but it's true. It's it is based on something uh, that existed called Manichaeism. No, you lie. No, it's true. Which uh, had this. It was oh, a wow. part of uh, Gnosticism, <laughs> which. Um, revolved around this dualism of like light and dark and there's this myth about this f- like father of light fighting the dark powers and all this stuff so if, i mean she's read up on this way more than i know about it it's true well now i now i like it wow. more mm-hmm. but uh, i wish I, she I, would I, told me more about that and less yeah. about you know this candy cake there commercial are these that two, she like out. divine powers light and dark and I they're love those fighting commercials. and um i hated those commercials i like the ones with the cosmetics <laughs> yeah. I thought also the game show is not that far away from being a game show. Mm. Yeah, oh, it, was it, was all, it was all very like it was, about it. I don't know what it was. The realism. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's just like it was just Love Island versus Yeah. With a like anti bachelor. I like I like the consequences. <laughs> it's like oh watching the bachelor yeah. but from in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean her she hit a, she hit a quite a good style for a dystopian novel uh, tone wise, um, in that it was all kind of realistic but just slightly satirized. Mm. Mm. That was yeah. she she hit the tone there well. Have you lost respect for Zadie Smith? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Her recommendations mean less to me now. <laughs> Speaking of recommendations, <laughs> <laughs> would you recommend this book, Nails? We. Oui. Uh, uh, no. No, 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 no. There are there are other things to read. Yeah, yeah. There are other things to read. I would like to be a bit more compassionate, but you know, <laughs> 2017. <laughs> so many books to read. <laughs> nah, skip this one. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? I would recommend you read some Deleuze and Guattari or read up on that conjoined church thing. Oh yeah, but I wouldn't that. recommend this book. Mm. I'd recommend it if you've read some Deleuze and Guattari <laughs> and didn't get it and would like to see it be demonstrated in the world. All so right. I think I think it's 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 good, and I think the I think that what's interesting about the bullshitty Vogue thing about it being Fight Club for girls is that I think in some ways it has a bit more ambition than Fight Club, because Fight Club is like. Oh, I want to be a hunter and a warrior again, but I can't because of modernity. And this is one's going like, that's like I want my my genet my uh, biological uh, destiny is to be a hunter and a warrior. It's like, well, no, your biological uh, destiny is to be food for something else. <laughs> and this book is like going like, hunter and warrior are signs that we put on it from modernity to like you know, to um to to justify suffering in the past. And I think that. In that this book is actually more ambitious than Fight Club, it, that's it's worth a read. I just think the problem with the quote is the gendered thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. no the quote. The no, quote's bullshit, but it was nice to bring Fight Club to my mind when thinking about mm. it. But no, the, the quote should not exist. Vogue should be ashamed of themselves yeah. for many reasons. <laughs> 
Good. Um, I think I would have to read it again before I decide on whether or not I'm going to recommend it. All right. Will you? Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> 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 Don't know yet. It's very early. <laughs> for decision. Gotta go take a nap. Um, 5.45 in the morning. <laughs> learning is beneath me. But <laughs> <laughs> Next month, we'll be back with Saturn Island yes. by Tom McCarthy, yes. which Macon will host. I will host that and we'll bring on our 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 guest for that will be the host of the ARC Audio Review, Snorri Raffenhals, but I can't repronounce really <laughs> a Icelandic name. That's how it sounds to me when he says his own name. <laughs> um, yeah, and Tom's right. Alzheimer hates that guy, so that's going to be fun. Not Snorri. <laughs> Tom's Alzheimer hates that Snorri. And we'll dedicate the entire podcast to Tom's Alzheimer. We will. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>